Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. To see God move in people not here, people in Jamaica, people, you know, Jamaica is a country that if you know much about it, they have the gospel message, but it's really not the gospel of grace for most people. And so uh, we've been able to see God move in our little church that we planted about four years ago. We've been working in Jamaica for about 10 years, Myra, I think. And um, I'm so grateful. See, God do things in this little group of people. There's probably 30 of them meeting right now underneath a tree in front of a school. And the reason they meet underneath the tree is it's way cooler than inside the school. They could go in the school, but it's hot in there. And under, under a tree is kind of the, the place. And so they bring chairs and they meet under a tree. There's about 30 of them. And I loved how when someone gets baptized, they spontaneously sing. That was pretty cool, right? That was actually them singing in the background. Um, so we're, we're in awe of what God can do. And maybe you saw the little boy who had the crooked legs, and he has severe uh, bow-leggedness, and we're, we're praying and working towards moving him to the United States to be treated, um, because that could be treated. But he's almost crippled at this point. And uh, so pray for uh, Pastor Neville, his wife Marcia, for Tito, that's the little boy's name. We've reached out to Senator Rubio's office, and they've been very responsive in trying to help We'd love to see him be able to come to the States and get those legs fixed to be able to live a normal life because uh, he's, he's a very sweet young man and Myra's working on that, so pray for that. Would you bow with me as we pray for Jamaica and for our people there? God, I lift up Pastor Neville as he is leading worship right now uh, in the grill Jamaica. And God, I, I lift up uh, his wife Marcia Lift up the people there, the 10 new members, the six we just baptized, Lord. And especially I lift up Tito, Lord. It's not a hard thing for you to bring him here to get him treated, Lord. We don't even know how to do that, but you do, Lord. We pray you would make that happen. So as just a symbol of your greatness, Lord, the cripple could walk. Father, we praise you, and we just are so excited. We celebrate you and what you're doing in Jamaica. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Many of you said you'd like to be involved. We will be taking a trip in the future where we can take more people. COVID kind of has things. It's getting better, but uh, it, was, it was a little bit challenging. We got tested how many times, Myra? Twice, I think, uh, to be able to go and come back. Great to be with you today. I love summer. Raise your hand. You love summer. Amen. You know, you're lying, I know. Some of you, are not so sure. I love the fact that it's hot every day. It's so humid. You walk outside. Ah, you just breathe in water, don't you? You know, and you swim to your car. That's what's great about the summer. You know, and every afternoon it rains probably, right? You're just excited. But hey, it's going to rain. That's what it does every day in the summer uh, in South Florida. I love it here. Um, it just, I don't know, maybe it's because the lines are not quite as long. Traffic's not as bad. It's a little bit more chill. Uh, but I love summer. One of the things I love about summer is I'm a big baseball fan, and I, I just like watching baseball kind of mindlessly, because that's what you can do. And the older I get, I don't even really care who wins as much. I do care somewhat, 
But it's just that soothing thing of I remember being a kid, my dad taking us out to the field, we're learning to throw, we're learning to catch, we're learning that it's not always fair, and sometimes you get conked in the noggin with the ball, you know, and sometimes my dad taught us, you know, don't worry, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. Did you ever, did you ever learn that? That's a really a good thing for life to remember, you know. It'll feel better when it stops hurting. But baseball, to me, is kind of one of those things that reminds me of the journey, reminds me of my upbringing, reminds me of how I was raised, how I got to be who I am. And it's, a, it's a, like a baseball, baseball bat is kind of a symbol of that for me. I also love summer because, um, yeah, I love to sail. Many of you know I've got a little boat out on the, out on the beach. And um, when I was a kid, my dad and us kids, we built a boat. I mean, it seems crazy now, right? And it floated, it really did. Um, and uh, we had a, those great times together, you know, of, of family, of, of learning and growing. And when I go out to the beach sometimes, I just sit on the boat and I just remember that. It reminds me of who I am. I'm so grateful for my heritage. Just that, it's that way spiritually, isn't it? There were things in your life that have brought you to where you are today. There are, there are people in your life that have poured into you, that have mattered to you, that have helped you get to where you are today. And that's what we're looking at in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 13. The, the children of God, they, they're remembering the past and they're celebrating the present. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Remembering the past and celebrating the present. We're celebrating both the present and the past because God has worked in the past and he's working in the present. So Nehemiah chapter 8 beginning in verse 13 and if you have your word of God you can open it turn it on uh, whatever you would like to do but I always encourage people to actually read out of the Bible because it's very very uh, it's a great practice to get into and you can see that this is the actual word of God it's not something we just created and put up on a screen. Verse 13 says this on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the peoples, with the priests and the Levites, they came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found in it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each one uh, on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God in the square of the water gate, square of the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths to live in the booths for, um, for from the days of Jeshua the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so, and there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law, they kept the seven days, feast the seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Now this is kind of a odd kind of thing. It's like they, they, they started to read God's word and they saw something they hadn't been doing. Well, understand the setting, and if you've been with us all year, and Ezra and Nehemiah, you know that we're studying the people of God. Remember, God created his people through Abraham. 
God's people grew into this mighty people, and then they wound up in Egypt, and they were trapped there and were uh, enslaved there and really oppressed there until God miraculously rescued them. And he brought them through the Red Sea, destroyed the Egyptian army. He, he brought them across the wilderness, gave them the law, brought them to the land that he'd prepared for them. And then they decided, we can't go in. There's giants in the land. We need help. I don't, God, you can't do what you said you're going to do. They, their faith failed, and they turned, and they wound up having to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness until a new generation could be raised up. But then... God is faithful. He still led the people into the land through Joshua and then conquered the land through Joshua and through David. And the, the people, they became a great nation. They displayed the greatness of God, built an incredible temple through Solomon, but then they began to fall away from God again. And they wound up in exile through the Assyrians, the uh, Babylonians, the Persians. And then God brought him back. He is so faithful. He comes and gets his people. He brought him back through Ezra and Nehemiah. They reestablished themselves in the land, still under Persian rule. And they rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt the walls. And they came together, we saw a few weeks ago, as they, they had this six-hour worship service where they read and proclaimed and explained the word of God to the people. And when the people heard the word of God proclaimed, what did they do? They said, amen, amen. That's why you hear that in our service from time to time, which is great. I always encourage people to say that when something is said that really resonates with your heart. Amen, amen. That's right is what that means. I agree. That's correct. Um, I, I'm totally on board with that. You can sometimes try it in a secular business meeting. It's always interesting, you know. Hey, we're going we're gonna to lead the nation in sales this year. Amen. And just see what someone says. And all the church people go, hey, that guy knows what he's talking about. Um, and then they would lift their hands and worship. And they're worshiping God. Yes, we're so glad to hear your word. You are the God of the universe. You are God. You are our God. And then what happens, you know, when you get confronted with God's word, something wonderful but sad can happen, right? It's when you say, I... I see the greatness of God and I see my own sin. And repentance happens. It's the best thing that can happen to you, incidentally, is repentance. God, I, I see where I'm not in line with you. I see where I need to repent. And I, I, I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I'm asking you to forgive me and, and for you to cover my sin. And so they repent in tears and they're weeping and there's this huge weeping service. And after it's over, at the end of it, Nehemiah and Ezra, they raise up and they said, hey, don't weep anymore. Don't weep anymore. The, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord comes through worship and repentance, and that's your strength. So the people go their own way, and they celebrate. They, they eat the, the fat. They, they taste the sweet. That's what they do, and they celebrate, and they share with people around them. And then the next day, this verse number 13 happens. It says that the fathers of the houses, they gather with Ezra, and they're kind of like, all right, so we've had this incredible revival. Now what do we do? There's got to be more. I know there's more stuff. I remember there's got to be more stuff. How are we supposed to live? What is this supposed to be like? And they begin to study the Word, and they start to figure out that there's more that we need to be doing, and God has got a different plan for us than maybe we thought. And they find that they're supposed to be celebrating. There's a there's a celebration that was supposed to happen every year that they, they hadn't been doing. And it's called the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. The Feast of Booths. Think about this now. How many of you have ever used a phone booth? 
date yourself. All right, how many of you have no idea what a phone booth is? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, they don't even exist anymore, do they? Um, That's what we think of when you think of booth, but biblically, what it means is more like a, a tent made out of leaves. Think of it that way. So if you went in your yard and you cut down all your palm fronds and you spread them, maybe like a tiki hut kind of thing, uh, but a little cruder than that. And the Feast of Booths was when they were supposed to gather branches and build this kind of lean-to, tent-like structure in their backyard or on top of their house, wherever they had a courtyard. They were supposed to move out of their houses and into this kind of temporary structure called a booth or a tabernacle, a tent. Um, that's what this was. And they were celebrating two things. They were celebrating that God had brought them through the wilderness. And they're also celebrating the harvest, what God was doing right then. What God has done in the past and what he's doing in the present. That's what this celebration was supposed to be for seven days. Now think about this. For me, if I were to celebrate my past, I might get a baseball bat and a sailboat, right? For them, what are they doing? They're getting this this uncomfortable um, kind of structure that's temporary, that's really not going to last long, that that is not really even going to cover them if it rains really hard, probably. That's the symbol of the journey. It's really interesting. God could use a lot of things to commemorate the journey. Could have, they could have all put on their old sandals. They, they could have gathered at the water and they celebrate the fact that God wiped out the Egyptian army through the the Red Sea closing. They, they could have made bricks like they made in Egypt when they were in slavery to remember that God rescued them from there. And certainly at Passover, they remember the actual bringing out. But in the Feast of the Booth, they were supposed to celebrate the journey. And the journey wasn't easy. The journey was hard. And they made a lot of big mistakes in the journey. Remember the, remember the golden calf incident where... Some of the earth opened up and swallowed some people because they had built this idol and had gotten up to play in this this horrible partying scene that had dishonored God. Remember when they complained all the time? There's no food, there's no water. They complained to God. They didn't like the food that God was supplying through manna. You know, God, this food you're giving us every day, we're sick of it. Can we have something else? Five guys something. Chick-fil-A, it's not on another day besides Sunday, right? Can we have something? They complained, and there's all kinds of really not good things that happened in their past, but God wanted them to remember a couple of things about the journey at least. I want you to get back. I want you to live in the same kind of dwelling you lived in for those 40 years in the wilderness. So I want you to remember what I did. You see, a tabernacle or a booth is temporary, and it means you're going somewhere. You see, whatever journey you've been on with God, whatever wilderness experience you've been in or are in, one of the things you must always remember is this is temporary. It's not going to last forever. And you may be thinking, well, Steve, I've been struggling with this for a long time, so it feels like it's forever. Um, The wilderness journey that God has you on to take you from where you were to where he wants you to be as a productive disciple-making follower of Jesus, it is a temporary journey, even if it lasts your whole life, because this life is temporary, isn't it? This life is temporary. 
feel like the younger you are, that's hard to fathom. The older you are, this gets pretty clear, doesn't it? This life is temporary. We need to understand that as we understand our spiritual life. God, you're doing something in this. It's not going to last forever. But it also means that the Feast of the Booth meant that we're going somewhere. The wilderness was not what it was about. The promised land was what it was about. So you're a follower of Jesus. He is taking you somewhere. He's taking you to a place where you can be useful to Him, where you can serve Him, where you can have a harvest. And in the wilderness, the people were following God. They were following His leadership. He, they were move, he was moving them from where they were to the promised land. So when you think about your past, what does it look like for you? What does it look like? Can you look back and see what God used to get you where you are? I'm grateful for a godly father. I'm, I'm, greatly, I'm grateful for great Sunday school teachers for a church when I grew up. I, I'm grateful for godly coaches when I played, participated in high school athletics and I was a world-class athlete. Not really. Sounds really good to say, though, doesn't it? It rolls right off your tongue. Just kind of a marginal athlete. Um, I'm grateful for them, grateful for godly roommates. I'm for, grateful for meeting a godly wife. But you know what? I'm also grateful for some of the difficulties. I want you to celebrate those difficulties. So, wait a minute, Steve. I feel like I'm a follower of Jesus in spite of the challenges of my life. I want to encourage you with this. You may be a follower of Jesus because of the challenges of your life. See, when life is perfect and there's no challenge, there's no wilderness experience, it's hard to imagine I really need a Jesus. It's hard to imagine that this world is not my home. Many of you have suffered, are suffering. Maybe you came from a home that may have been abusive or addictive or broken. You certainly were raised by parents or a parent that had issues. We all were. Everybody comes from a challenging past. Some of you may define yourselves that way. You know, I was an abused child. I, I suffered this way. I, I, I came from an addictive home. That's who I am. No, it's not who you are. It's not who you have to be. So we need to identify as followers of Jesus Christ, not as those who have been harmed by somebody. Well, Steve, I'm, I, you don't understand. You've not been through. Listen, let me, just, let me just tell you about a man named Joseph. You know the story. I mean, the children of Israel, they had issues in their lives. Human trafficking. I mean, they sold their brother into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He becomes number, number two in the whole country in command from a slave to the second in command. And when his brothers have to come to him, not even knowing who he is, and they have to come to him for help, they find out who he is, they think that he's going to get his revenge on them. Oh, he's just been waiting to get us. This is it for us. For a lot of us, we'd be thinking the same thing, quite honestly. You sold me into slavery. You did this to me. But that's not Joseph's response, is it? Joseph says this, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me ask you, has someone done evil in your life? 
and has God worked it for good? Has someone done evil in your life, or maybe there's an accident that happened in your life? Did God mean it for good? Did God bring about anything good at all? Maybe God brought you to himself through the brokenness that you found in your past. You're not defined by your brokenness. You're defined by your Savior. When we look back at that journey, there needs to be, we need to be like Joseph saying, man, I, my sin put Jesus on the cross, but God raised Jesus from the dead. See what I'm saying? God, God allowed that in my life, but then He used it to bring me to Himself. Oh, we so need to get in touch with the fact that this world is not our home. But God has prepared a place for us. And He paid, his, paid our way through the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate the journey. Celebrate the journey. We need to forgive those who've hurt us. And trust Jesus with that pain. So the Feast of Booth, they were celebrating the journey, but they were also celebrating the harvest. That's what's happening now. That's what's happened if you're a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of His. That's the, that's the joy, that's the harvest that's going on right now where you're getting to impact people. You're getting to represent Jesus. We're, we're celebrating harvest today as we saw six people get baptized in Jamaica. That's amazing. Last Sunday, we saw three children pray to receive Christ in VBS. That's amazing. We're seeing a new Brazilian church formed in our church. That's amazing. We're seeing new people step forward and take leadership roles in our church on a weekly basis. That's amazing. That's harvest. Seeing people draw closer to Christ in their own personal worship on Sundays and daily. That's what harvest is about. See, when we harvest, what's happened is we've, we've taken God's seed and we've planted it. We've cultivated, but He's the one that causes it to grow. He's the one that causes it ultimately to bear fruit, and we get to harvest that fruit. We get to work hand in hand with God. Nothing could happen without Him. Let's be clear about that. I can't make fruit grow. Only God can do that. But harvest happens when his people, directed by him, and he works through his people, and he brings fruit. We celebrate the harvest. We, we celebrate the opportunity we have today to be on mission with him because of what he's brought us through and what he's brought us to. Let me ask you today, where are you with that? Can you celebrate the past? Can you celebrate even the difficult things of the past? Can you understand that the past is temporary? It's going to be gone soon. It's it's over. The, The journey won't last forever. Can you celebrate the harvest, the good things that are happening, that God is doing through you? I will say this, that for most of us, we're in both a harvest and a wilderness to some degree, right? In our lives, almost always, there's something that's not quite right, right? There's something that we're still working towards. There's some sin area maybe we need to address. There's a relationship struggle. There's a, there's a challenge that we have, and, and we're still on the way. You see, life, the, whole, the journey of life lasts our entire life. But we also should always be harvesters. 
There should be some sweetness in life. There should be some ability to share the good news of Christ with people. There should be an opportunity with someone, family members, neighbors, coworkers, who should be able to see some fruit, should be able to participate in a church that actually God is blessing like ours. So yeah, there's, there's, some, there's always going to be some journey, but there should always be some harvest as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be some harvest. You're still on the way. You're still being sanctified, but you're also seeing God bless through you. Is that happening for you today? Is that happening? Has that ever happened for you today? See, my desire is for people not to just pray a prayer and be baptized, but people to say, Jesus, I want you to live through me. I want you to save me. And God, I am thankful for all that you've done to bring me to this point in my life. I'm thankful for the crazy things that have happened. I'm thankful for the great things that have happened. All the things that have brought me to the place where I can receive the gift of salvation. And to receive that gift of salvation and to be baptized is simply to agree with God that I am a sinner. And that I'll never be able to be good enough. But I want, I want the price that Jesus paid on the cross to count for me. Is that you today? Maybe you've heard the story before, but you've never said yes to Jesus. Never said, yes, Jesus, I want you to save me. Never come to that place where you've said yes to him as he beckons you, as he draws you, as he invites you. He'll never make you, but he will invite you. He will draw you. Today it's time, I, I, I want to move from the journey into the harvest. Just a few moments, we're going to pray, and after the service, I'm going to be right here. I'd love to chat with you if that's you. I'd love to get you to the place where you're ready to make that public profession of faith through baptism. Say yes to Jesus and let the whole world know that's who you are. But if you're already a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you. Is there something from your past you need to let go of? Is there something that bothered you, scarred you, angered you, that you need to forgive someone? You need to say, you need to thank God that as a result of that thing that might have been horrible, you became a follower of His. Something that's defined you other than the fact that you're a follower of Jesus. We're going to pray here in just a minute. I urge you, forgive those who've hurt you. You say, well, see, if I forgive them, they're getting off the hook. Listen, you're not, you're not punishing them anyway. You're not really having an effect. You're punishing yourself. You need to forgive those who've hurt us. They meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And celebrate what God has done to bring you to where you are. Thank you, Jesus. I believe in heaven, when we look back on our lives, we'll be going, oh, I didn't know that that thing that happened to me actually turned me to Jesus. I would have missed him completely. And we'll begin to celebrate in ways we never have before. I think we should start celebrating now. If I know Jesus, it's only because he's been active in my life. We need to celebrate the journey. We need to celebrate the harvest. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known.
We cry out, we cry out.